please pray with me. Sing into our ears, O Spirit, the holy word of life. Tell us who we are and to whom we belong, so that we may respond and live with gratitude for all that you have done. Amen. The word of the Lord from Ephesians 2, verse 10. Let us hear what God is saying to us today. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we are recipients of a remarkable and unfathomable gift from God. The gift, salvation, and transformation through Jesus Christ. The result of this transformation, good works. Our creator has given each one of us a unique creative spirit, and God planned in advance for them to be used for his good purposes. We, my friends, are playing a privileged role. As people made new in Christ, this is our way of life envisioned in God's plan. The last six weeks, we have been asked to rediscover how to make the most of our creative spirits by following God's own design process or creative way of dreaming, hovering, listening, risking, reintegrating, and resting. We have been reminded how God created each of us with unique creative spirits. When some of you shared your own creative spirit and how God has called you to share them for his good purposes. Whether it is through artistic mediums like the beautiful prayers that Rebecca wrote for us today or the message that we will hear from Stu writing, music or visual arts, growing and arranging flowers from God's uh, beautiful creation, creative problem solving, or sharing a loaf of bread that was created in one of our very own's kitchen. We all were made with a spirit of creativity to do good works for God's kingdom. Today, Stu will share his creative spirit with a few selections from his new manuscript called Reflections on Creative Empathy, Applying the Teachings of Jesus in 21st century America. Please join me in prayer. Lord our God, thank you for the gift of being drawn closer to you through the power of our imagination and creativity. We do not take that gift for granted. It enriches our lives and we choose to use it. 
It heals us when we feel lost. It calms us when we are depressed and unhappy. And when we seek answers during periods of discouragement and despair. Creativity through expression allows us to articulate in language, music, and art, both our needs and the insights inspired by you. Grant us the wisdom to continue using that gift in both service to you and others in the human community. Amen. I wrote this book, Confronting Dementia, a husband's journey as an Alzheimer's caregiver at a time of despair when my wife of over 56 years was slipping away during the pandemic lockdown, when I could only visit her once a week for 30 minutes outside, six feet from each other, with face masks firmly in place. With the help of my writing coach and editor, Rebecca Tesman, I learned to modify my academic writing skills, to write prose about how I felt, and to give other caregiving husbands insights as to how to manage similar uh, challenges in their own lives. Some of you already have copies of the book. Others are available at no charge on the table in the back of the sanctuary. Pick one up if there is someone in your lives that might benefit from it. Recent events have caused me to become interested in the word and practice of empathy. Our men's fellowship here at Heritage is studying a book sponsored by the Stephen Ministry. It's called The Gift of Empathy. It has opened our minds and hearts to a very different way of thinking and acting. As Rhonda said, I have been inspired to write a new manuscript that may eventually become a book. Its title is Reflections on Creative Empathy, Applying the Teachings of Jesus in a 21st Century America. Here is the book's introduction. What makes empathy creative? The word empathy as a standalone is a way of deeply sensing how another human being feels way deep down. It does not need an external behavior, although one usually rises to the surface all by itself as a genuine response, as a facial expression or posture, or tears in the eyes or quiver of lips, a gaze that communicates without sun, sound, or a gentle hug and delicate kiss a squeeze of hands or a caressing of the hair, even a soft pat on an arm or back. Empathy is the essence of authentic living made richly meaningful. Even our favorite pets can express it through gestures of their own. Dogs and cats can convey it through their own mannerisms. The depth of feeling in their eyes, the proximity of their warm bodies as they cuddle with us or rub their faces against ours. A little whine or soft furring, how they hold their ears or tails. By putting a modifier in front of it, the word empathy becomes a feeling that is somehow acted on in more than the individual's physical demeanor of warmth or appropriate verbal response. Most modifiers indicate a level of intensity, such as strong or tender. In recent years, the word creative has become a popular modifier for empathy. Using that word adds intentionality and continuousness to a genuine way of intelligently interacting with others. It is not just a mannerism or expression. It denotes a kind of approachability that tells others there is a certainty about being understood, that the, emp the empathetic partner or colleague is always open and non-judgmental, that even someone who is a leader, teacher, or supervisor is ready to do more than listen and then advise or instruct. Creativity is also adds the dimension of insight and openness to relationships. 
often based on principles and ways of living characterized by inclusiveness and acceptance. It can be associated with cultures or environments in that it almost always seems to be in the air, in the sounds, sights, and smells that permeate everything. Creative empathy in those settings is pervasive and even delightful. It tells us we belong here and that our very existence is understood and even celebrated. In this little book, I reflect on how cultures, values, and even belief systems impact our sense of belonging and need to share that interactive magic. I'll read just two of the many essays so far included in the book, and here's the first one. This is the one I started out with. It's called America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful is a patriotic American song written by Catherine Lee Bates. The music composed by church organist and choir master Samuel A. Ward at Grace Episcopal Church in Newark, New Jersey. It went through different versions before being written in 1911 as it is sung today. Bates was an Oxford-educated professor at Wellesley College in Massachusetts who was inspired to write the poem while standing on Pikes Peak in Colorado. The song is often played today because it captures something many of us overlook as patriotic Americans. We miss the essence of what this country stands for, distracted by the shouting and posturing of political factions, which focus on theoretical controversies and supposed inadequacies and superficial forms of well-being. Superficial forms of well-being tend to obscure creative empathy, which is our ability to deeply understand each other and respond in ways that make every life important. It is the basis of Christ's teachings and the ministry on earth that we should love one another as God loves us. Jesus had the God-given ability to empathize with diverse individuals and groups while showing them how we are alike. The Roman soldier and the Judean beggar, the woman at the well and the male tax collector, the greatest and least of these. He was able to cut through the prejudices and biases we selfishly nurture in ourselves. He showed us how to open our hearts and minds to see the oneness of the world, not its divisions. It took creative forms of teaching using parables and examples to open the eyes of followers to the importance of empathy and then to act on that new understanding. Catherine Bates understood the power of the spoken and written word to convey mental images and the importance of social catalyst. A social catalyst is simply a way of thinking that helps bring us together. Like our Christian creeds, national pledges, and oaths of allegiance, it is the power of words assembled creatively and even poetically that helps us cut through the trivial divisiveness and petty attitudes meant to diminish or destroy. As we hear or sing America the Beautiful, certain powerful phrases stand out that make us reflect on who and what we should be, collectively and individually. In paraphrased form, we reflect on these ideas. God shed his grace on America and crown its good with brotherhood. God, mend thine ever flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Those words are not trivial statements hyped up by poetic license. They have real meaning that we look to God to overcome our human flaws, ensure our body politic is guided by thoughtful and self-control, and ensure our liberty through writing and abiding by good laws. The lyrics also point to proven heroes willing to fight because they love their country more than self, because it stood for mercy, that it acknowledged God as being central to his successes 
and that those successes are divine gains. Debates, America is beautiful because of patriotic dreams that look to the future not just because of material progress, but the happiness of all of its citizens. This notion today has temporarily descended into a kind of crassness that weakens inspirational words such as found in America the Beautiful. But our history is full of such occasional lapses, largely because government is as fluid as human foibles can, off, can and often make it. Bates was an idealistic academic, which is not meant to demean the importance of her writing or the truth it espouses. Even those who founded this nation were mere human beings who frequently struggled to find the right words. Many of our leaders through the decades have been mediocre or blatantly wrong, but that's not the point. The point is that we Americans value a set of principles that transcend our ability to regularly perpetuate them. Principles that hover over us and show up at various times, having been born and nurtured throughout history during bursts of both enlightenment and, and debilitating circumstances that led to want and suffering. Without that backdrop and evidence, today's trials and tribulations can seem overwhelming and unique but they're not even close. After Bates wrote her inspiring words, this nation underwent monumental changes. Those changes were associated with the growth of technology and serious social disruptions. They included racial discrimination, economic deprivations, worldwide destruction associated with war and natural disasters, and a myriad of other influences that shifted our perspectives away from America the Beautiful. But through it all, America is still the last best hope of Earth a phrase inspired by the writings of Abraham Lincoln, a phrase so often used it sometimes seems to be a cliche, or a pronouncement designed to prove America's exceptionalism, the idea we as a nation are better than all others. Bates did not mean it that way because Christianity is neither prideful nor superior. It is a reverential means to connect us with each other and our God. All it requires is that we continue to find ways to understand each other empathetically serve those in need, and remain true to our spiritual convictions and beliefs. Standing atop Pike's Peak, looking east, over the foothills and expanse of the Great Plains, is an inspiring experience, one that makes it easy to understand why Bates wrote the poem that conveys an authentic and sensitive American dream. Here's my most recent reflection. It's called the sense of oneness and an informed empathy. Throughout history, unification of a nation or culture works when there is a common enemy, one believed to have the potential to annihilate us or do great harm to our chosen way of life. That sense of oneness can also apply to political groups that manufacture feelings of threat with good success. Demonizing people or groups who do not seem to believe what we believe energizes our inner passion for truth as we conceive it and link us emotionally as we are, in fact, one body, one force for defeating the foe. Onward Christian Soldiers is a popular hymn first written in 1865 by Sabine Gold in England, with music composed by Arthur Sullivan in 1871. It was popularized by the Salvation Army as depicting an ongoing conflict with Satan or the evil one. The lyrics were justified by in the Bible by uh, 2 Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The hymn's lyrics have been modified over the decades to soften their militaristic tone. Mainline churches have occasionally attempted the removal of the song from official home, uh, hymn books altogether, leading to a storm of protest. Many Christians know most of the lyrics by heart because the words and music are emotionally impactful 
As a real soldier affiliated with the United States Army, I was well acquainted with the march music of John Philip Sousa and symphonic music of Richard Wagner. Films of those years, especially Patton and MacArthur, had theme music that conveyed the idea of armies marching forward. That music elevated my emotions, just as our own star-spangled banner in foreign pieces like Britain's Jerusalem and Francis La Mercier make our hearts beat faster. My late wife, Marba, was a fan of Jeanette MacDonald and Nelson Eddy movies of the 1930s and 1940s. One of them was titled New Moon, in which Eddy and other men were marching down the road singing Stout-Hearted Men, composed by Oscar Hammerstein II and Sigmund Romberg. I watched that movie and listened to the song's lyrics. They made vivid reverence to how our hearts inspire other hearts with fire, obeying a strong man who shows the way. They then become ten, uh, ten stout-hearted men who will fight for the right they adore, inspiring others so much 10,000 more will join them. Human history is full of inspiring songs like that one. We show both dedication to a cause and the earnestness of those who dedicate themselves to its goals, whatever they are. So here's the conundrum. How can we achieve that same thrilling level of oneness with each other when empathy is at its core? Sometimes media such as film or music can play a role in creating empathetic feelings as well as militaristic sensations. John Williams and John Barry composed uh, film music that stimulated empathetic emotions. Williams' music used in Schindler's List opened a sense of oneness with victims of the Holocaust. Barry's soundtrack for Dances with Wolves reinvigorates a strong sense of empathy with our nation's indigenous people. A longer lasting kind of informed empathy enters the scene when the complexity of depth is detected. Watching Schindler gravitate from callous businessman to becoming the champion of Jews is both emotional and uh, conversional. Watching Lieutenant Dunbar transfer cultural allegiances feels impactful on an empathetic level. Feeling feelings of empathy at the individual level often requires knowing more about that person. That same kind of informed empathy is necessary when creating broader sociological unity and a sense of purpose. While media such as film, literature, and music can work, more effective methods can come through serious scholarship of the type used by archaeologist and historian Gertrude Bell in Mesopotamia, or through anthropologists like Margaret Mead and thousands of other scholars. Militaristic feelings can be created through speeches, music, and thrilling media, but they are also shallow and dangerous, creating a hysteria bordering on a need for conquest. Never good. Causing a more loving and sustainable world requires development of a sense of oneness, not based on political ideology, supported by powerful speeches, thrilling music, and marching armies. The world we want comes from better understanding of each other and seeking ways to inform empathy is made continuously sustainable. Continuous sustainability requires real cognitive engagement and a never-ending effort to study, reach out, and envelop others with a joy of meaning. Not jingoistic platitudes, shouted out pronouncements, catchy tunes with powerful overtones, or the leer of a defiant face. Ongoing and positive commitments come from a deep understanding of who we are as individuals, who we are as a society of Christ followers, committed to our God and each other, committed to helping create a world in which we are all celebrated as worthy and accepted.